Welcome to the first RGC podcast where we'll find out a little bit more about RGC, the people involved, and across the region the work that goes on. We're going for informative and entertaining, but to be honest, I'll be happy with either one of those. So, let's get going. This is RGC. It's our first RGC podcast, and who better to kick it all off than a man who's played numerous positions for RGC, scrum half, centre, in the back row, on the bench plenty of times, coach, and now performance manager. Welcome, Josh Leach. Thanks, Scott. So first question is probably the most obvious one, really, so I may as well ask it. How important is the academy to RGC? Uh, it's the it's not only RGC really, it's the key to sustainability of RGC in the Premiership, uh, producing a depth of players across the field uh, that allows them, of North Wales players across the field, that allows them to be successful in the future. Um, but on top of that, it's also, it's also important to the development of clubs and the development or the standard of rugby played across North Wales. Um, because you've got a number of players who have done a two-year stint in the academy, um, not progressed into RGC senior team, and have then gone back to their clubs to play, um, or or even in some cases to coach. Um, and they've got an understanding of, of performance rugby um, and what it involves, um, of a more detailed view of some of the skills involved in the game and a better understanding of the game in some cases that hopefully they can then put back into their club um, and it helps raise uh, raise raise some standards there. Um, on top of that, though, it's also the opportunities that it presents to uh, young coaches um, or developing coaches across North Wales. Um, the pathway and the access that RGC have to resources, to facilities, and to, in some cases personnel as well, um, that then help a coach to develop themselves either to... Uh, coach at a higher level in the future or to go back to their club and just be more effective um, when they're coaching there and hopefully um, that all leads across the board to a more sort of successful North Wales um, where, where we play quite well an attractive band of rugby across the board um, and and uh, competitive. I'm looking at it from sort of seniors from, from top down is there you know, a, a brand and a style of rugby or, you know, an RGC way as such that you're looking to, you know, sort of develop from that under-15s upwards? Uh, definitely. I think people who have followed us from the start um, and the various coaches that we've had throughout uh, the, the sort of five years that we've been in the leagues, uh, you'll see slightly different trends, like within the way that we've played. Um but sort of underlying all of those is is certainly a, a high focus on on skill level. Um, if you think back to our first coaches, Chris Horseman, Damien McGrath, like Damien was a sort of we nicknamed him like the king of skill because so much of his focus was on on skill execution, uh, and that was certainly um, the main aspect that got us through uh, through Division One East in the first place. Um, we had young lads, not partic- not particularly physical in comparison to some of the teams we came up against. Um, so we relied on having a better skill level um, than them in order to to get us through that league. Then Phil uh, very much brought sort of a physical um, an edge to us that that we needed at the time to get through the championship. Um, a lot of our training those days was a lot of contact work, uh, and to be honest, it was was sort of you could argue it was quite high risk at the time. Like we didn't have a big squad and. 
Um, we obviously couldn't afford significant injuries in order to gain promotion, but uh, there's no doubt it's exactly what we needed. And it's brought quite a hard edge to the team. So you've got young lads now who are both skillful and physical. And uh, and that's certainly served as well. And you get a lot of comments when we've come up against other teams um, for the first time, and they're quite they're quite surprised by the level of physicality that that some of the lads bring. And so talking about coaches as well, from a, an academy perspective, it's not just about the players that you develop and looking at that pathway. I'm guessing as well, sort of looking at the, the coaching pathway is something that, that's key for the development of, of rugby in North Wales. Yeah, definitely. You could argue it's the secret of... Uh, well, it's not, uh, yeah. Don't tell anyone. Yeah. It's, not, it's not a secret now. <laughs> I was just about to say, you can't, it's not really a secret, but... Uh, you could argue it's the most important thing in the future in North Wales is coach development. Um, it goes back to the old saying, sort of, you teach a man to fish, you can feed him forever. Well, if we teach people to coach well, then uh, they're going to affect sort of 20 players in their age group, in their teams, in their clubs. Um, and if we can sort of affect far more through the coaches than we can through uh, just being uh, direct in, in influence the playing pathway. Um, the Germans have done it very well in football. Um they're kind of the go-to model at the moment um, in the way they've invested in coach education in their academies and one of the reasons why they uh, they won the World Cup a number of years ago. And from your perspective, because you've sort of done the playing, you then moved on to the, the coaching aspect and continued to play as well, you know, from sort of college and Rettlow to you know from the sort of championship stuff coaching with with phil as well how early on were you interested in the coaching aspects of the um well it came about as my first job really um straight out of university i was kind of wondering what to do and the landrisho job came up and it was it was almost like a perfect opportunity like the timing was just spot on for me um so i applied for that got that and it was very much uh thrown in the deep end and, and learn as you go but I learned some huge, uh, huge lessons early on, and uh, they've no doubt benefited me now in trying to help some of the coaches that come through a similar, similar situation or a similar start. Um, I was coaching full time, more or less, then for sort of five, six days a week um, from the beginning. So I got plenty of practice in um, at an early, at an early age. It was quite intense for me, and uh, it. It probably took priority over my playing and then I switched back to trying to concentrate on playing for, for a number of years um, just for enjoyment purposes really and uh, it's probably now just starting to work back the other way. And from a, a sort of a, an academy player perspective as well, it's about levels of skill and and various other aspects within, you know, looking at the, the gym work and the conditioning. But so commitment is something that's quite key and the sort of support network as well, I'm guessing, because of of the area that RGC covers and the region is vast. There's, there's a lot of travelling and, and a lot of parents will you know, give a lot and commit as well in that sense. So it's it's a big effort. Definitely is. Uh, it's one of the things that we look for, actually, when we're um, trying to sort of identify players that we feel can, so can make good progress down the pathway. Um, commitments, like one of the biggest things. We monitor attendance quite heavily in uh, in the age grades uh, looking at how many how many sessions they attend or don't and that's a big part of uh, because we know commitment's such a big part of uh, life in the senior team having to travel away every week every other weekend 
Um, certainly for the boys in the first few years of having to sit on the bus both down there and back on uh, on a Saturday um, and three nights a week whereas most other teams were training one or two it, the commitment's a huge part of it and for boys that are, we're looking to go professional or going to the highest level like sacrifice and commitment's probably one of the key aspects and we'll finish with um, uh, sort of like the most difficult question. This is what we will do with, with all interviews. So I was racking my brains and, and the question that, that we'll ask you is, what's your favourite way to... Scrambled, without doubt. Scramb- scrambled. You look like a man who has lots of eggs based on the protein. Start, start, starts as an omelette and becomes scrambled. <laughs> Thank you very much, Josh. Our first interview in the podcast and I didn't make reference to your surfing hairdos back in 2010 either. Thank you, Josh. This is RGC. Their players let up the pitch season after season, so we've brought them in and asked them to light up this podcast. No pressure, boys. Welcome to Tian and Avon. Hello. Thank you for having us. You're welcome. Very polite. It's a nice way to, to start the podcast. Um, both of you have got, got your own songs that I'm not going to sing, but um, from from a, a playing perspective, because we, we're on the other side on the stands, but does that crowd noise and, and chants and, and the more vocal that they add make a difference when you're playing? Uh, definitely makes a massive, massive difference. Like you said, um, uh, I don't think the fans quite realise how much an effect they have on uh, us as players, uh, especially maybe where we're not quite, um, whether we're not in the lead and they, they, they start chanting, um, singing the songs. It, it makes a massive difference, just spurs us on. And Tian, you, you, your song, uh, do you have it as a as a ringtone yet? Uh, no, not yet. <laughs> yeah, but from a, from a, a motivational point of view, yeah, and, and you, you talk about the 16th man and, and, and when things are a bit tough on the pitch, can the crowds lift you at those key moments? Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, the crowd plays a big role, especially home games, my favourite time to play. Um, games like in the final, where loads of people travelled, it was good to hear them, and then it's just... It motivates us if we hear the crowd and it just makes us play better. And as a sort of a development as, as players and the teams developed over, over the past past couple of years, can you look back and think how far you've both come both as players and, and as a group? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, we've, come, we've come a long, long way um, since uh, Division 1 East. Um, back in those days where Kelvin and Roger Carlton-Jones were playing for us, um, and Brino as well, so they make a. Uh, so we we have come a long way, um, and I think the crowd has developed as, along with us as well. Obviously, we're performing on the field um, year on year and, and developing. Um, the crowds are getting bigger and bigger and louder and louder. And looking at you, Tian, you made a move over from South Africa a couple of years ago. That's that transition. Looking back, was it difficult at the time? Uh, yeah, the first training session that I landed the day the morning and uh, I trained that night and it was quite difficult for me as uh, in South Africa I didn't really speak much English and so just getting used to all the calling systems and different words was hard for me where then I started off at Bethesda played a few games there thanks to Josh Leach and uh, then I got my first first uh, game against Swansea off the bench and then played ever since. And looking at this from, from a playing perspective as well, what what were the differences that you noticed from from a rugby perspective? Uh, the style of play was different from from home and here, and obviously the weather 
weather played a big role. Once the winter set in, I wasn't really happy. Uh, it was quite cold, and but uh, I think it suited my style of play about carrying the ball and um, just that type of play it suited me. And the one thing that you know, we've noticed over the years, and, and the thing that happens is, is the journeys down A four seventy, you know, north to south every second week. And how how much do you think that that helps players from a bonding point of view? Just for the fact is, you're 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 on a coach for for six hours on a, on a Friday or Saturday. You make the journey back. There's a good twelve hours where, especially in the Div, Division One instance Championship days, when it was all in one day, that. People had to get along just for the fact they were sitting next to each other. Yeah, I think so. It made um, it, like you said, it did sort of mould us together more. Um, we spend a lot of time together on the field as well, um, and then obviously travelling up and down. Like you said, it's um, yeah, it's, it's a it starts off to be a bit of a pain, but by now, like myself, I think Tian will agree. We're all used to it now, so gets fun. Yeah, we've we've thought of different ways, playing cards, board games, quizzes, you name it, we've probably done it up and down on the way back. And how many Will Ferrell films have you have you watched? Oh, we've, we've watched them all. <laughs> Semi pro. Yeah. Um yeah, sort of also from a from a family perspective as well, with you moving over, I'm guessing one advancement is sort of social media that, that you know, that your your family can at least be updated on a rugby, you know, on a Saturday how you how you're doing. So that support network for both of you in different ways, how important is that, you know, and and has been through your, your rugby career? Um my probably my best support is my mum and dad and they follow every game on Twitter. Uh, we were lucky enough last season to have a few on uh, um, S4C and they showed it live. And as well, they my parents come over like twice a year. They're coming now for free games. So yeah, I really appreciate them coming over every time for my games. And you as well, your, your dad's run the line as well, for, so he, he, he back in the day. So yeah. <laughs> he's quicker than you, to be fair. Well, yeah. <laughs> but Just trying to like, catch him up. <laughs> the support network, you know, f- for you, that, that, you know, going back to when you were in the academy, how important is, has that been? Um, it's been massive, really. The um, With social media, like you said, everybody sort of knows what's happening with, with all the um, tweets and the Facebooks and Instagram now that we've got. It's... It's massive, and obviously, like you said, my dad running the line is, uh, yeah, trying to keep up with him is tough. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, he can't do it anymore because we've pre- um, performed well and developed. Um, so he's he's quite happy to sit in the stand and watch now. I think. And uh, this season, it's kind of been sort of mixed for both you in regards of Avon. You've you've you know recovered from injury now, but you, you suffered the injury playing for for the Wales Sevens. Um, and sort of Tian, it's it's been full steam ahead. Um, expectation wise, is there been? It feels a difference in regards to how opposition teams view us now because it's you know second season in and what we did last season. Uh, yeah, um, expectations. We we obviously um, performed really well and got um, obviously we won the national cup, and then um, we got to the um, semi finals of the. Of the league as well, so we 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 were very um, happy with how we we performed last year. But this year, I think there's more kind of expectations for us to do that again. Yeah. Um, and like you say, teams are starting to look at us and with the video analysis, and they're they're obviously slowly trying to work us out. Um, I don't think um, the way we we've played changed much. 
Um, but we are obviously further down the line already in the season compared to where we were last year. Look at the season so far for you. Tiana's kind of picking up where where you left off last year, and just you know the foundations of last year, and just I'm guessing that that Mark and Phil, do you want you to build on that really and look to progress? Yeah, we've we started a bit slow, but I think first seven games we we progressively got better, and um, I'm excited for the next few games coming up because I think we'll only just get better and better. And sort of moving away from from rugby itself, uh, from a, from a sporting point of view, if you weren't playing rugby, what do you think you'd be doing? Uh, that's a tough question, really. Um, I always uh, sit down and try and think about what I'd be doing if I um, if I wasn't playing rugby. Um, I think um, I'd probably be an electrician. It was something that I wanted to do leaving school, um, and then obviously my rugby career kind of t- uh, took over, really. So. Yeah, I think I'd be an electrician. What about yourself, Tian? Uh, to be honest, I have no idea. Probably just finish the, my degree or something and have an office job or something. And we'll move on to the, 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 the sort of more serious question. We always will have a, a, a serious question to end every interview. And this one is, is, is a real toughie. If you were going to be a member of the boy band One Direction... Who would you choose? We'll kick off with you, Tian. Uh, I only know two of them, I think. But uh, to be honest, I wouldn't want to be any one of them. But that's not the, that's not that. So we're not finishing this podcast until you give me. If you were good, which two do you know? Uh, uh, <laughs> the Zide or Zane? Yeah, and yeah. Uh, the Irish one, I think. Niall. Yeah. So we've got we're narrowing this down a bit. We're not finishing this until. Well, could... I definitely picked the Irish guy, didn't I? You're gonna go Niall. Yeah. Okay. So we've got Niall. Over to you, Avon. Um, it's a tough one, really, um, but uh, I think I'd probably go Liam Payne uh, simply because he's going out with Cheryl Cole. Good answer. We end with a tough question. Thank you to, to Niall and to Liam Payne. Thank you, boys. Thank you very much. This is RGC. So we'll get some of the, the backroom sort of details as well on the podcast and we welcome Oran, the, the physio, the man who, who fixes the people who get broken during the week. Welcome to the podcast, Oran. Cheers, thank you. So looking at your job and your role, describe a, a, a typical week. Um, typical week for me uh, starts probably straight after the game. Um, Sunday, we kind of have a look back at the game or on my own have a look back at the game and do a little report on on which all the players that have played and if they picked up any knocks. Um, Sunday's an off day for them unless something major has happened and then we, we kind of have to have to have a look at them on Sunday. If not, we can go straight into Monday uh, where we're quite fortunate at RGC where we have a good core group of players of about 12 players who, who are in um, on a more full-time basis. Um, so they start on a Monday, they come in at about 12 o'clock. Um, we monitor them in, so we look at key markers uh, of them physically to see how they're doing and if there's any risks of injury or if anything's changed compared to their normal. Um, and then and then we start with a bit of a prehab section for half an hour where we're, we're, we're trying to target key parts of each player, um, which could be a weakness for them. And it's, it's looking to improve them, make them a bit stronger in that in that area, and um, make them more robust so they can play for for more time during the season. 
And so looking at that that prehab as, as well, do you think that, that the players, with the advancement of technology and, and research, do you think the players have got more understanding of, of the benefits of, of looking after themselves before games and not just afterwards as well? I think it's getting there. It's, it's a difficult one because some players may look at it and go, I'm not injured at the moment, so there's not much point in me doing any extras or anything. Um, but then that's where we, we we try and target key players um, to show the other players what, what the benefits could be. So if we look at a Tian Lutz, he, he's been with RGC for, for over three years now, and if you see how he's progressed from time playing, um, it, it's got better and better each year, and I think that's down to the effort he puts in um, but, you know when when people aren't looking, so he, he he really works hard in the gym, and he he works on his weaknesses to make him a lot stronger, a lot more robust. Hopefully, other players will look at him and go, "What's he doing that I'm not?" And then then they'll buy into that prehab um, and start to work at it themselves a bit harder, and and hopefully get stronger as well. How important is it the relationship between physio and sort of the strength and conditioner or strength and conditioning team as well, and the relation to making sure that players do what they need to do but also you know know the limits as well it, it, it we need to be really really kind of um on the same on the same track with with snc so me and gaz we're lucky that we're sat next to each other in the office so we're always chatting to each other about what's going on um we make sure we we um at the beginning and in the middle of each week we we look at the injured players especially and say right what do they need to be doing while they're not playing rugby to to get them either fitter or get them stronger in a certain area to um to when they get back to rugby they're they're at a peak and they're they're, they're performing as best as they can be physically um so having that relationship with guys is is really important and uh we just got to try and maintain those links uh between each other to, to make sure the players are getting the best uh, input from either side, physio and distancy. And it's quite tough, topical at the moment in regards to sort of rugby injuries and um, looking at the, you know, the, the inc- so-called increase in injuries um, that are happening. But do you think also players um, now feel more comfortable to, to tell you when they are injured rather than playing with an injury because they know that in the long term it'll do them more damage if they don't actually tell you, you know, the, how they're feeling and, and if they are suffering. I think I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there, and players are starting to be a bit more open about what they've got. And um, the game is getting faster, and the people that are playing it are, are getting a lot bigger. So you're going to get a lot more collisions, and you're going to potentially get a lot more injuries from as a result of that. But also, the players are opening up a bit more about what injuries they've got so it probably is that physios are picking them up more and therefore they're coming out a bit earlier than they would be you know eight nine years ago they may have played on with that niggle and you know 50 percent of the time they would have got away with it and they would have been able to play on uh the other 50 percent they would have probably broken down and got an injury and come out now we're, we're catching it early and we're taking them out a bit earlier to to look at them out of a more long-term project to make sure they, they last as long through the season rather than lasting for the next game or, or two. And look at the, sort of the, the terms uh, and what you do for recovery and one of the things that in, in, as, as a layman you always hear is is the, the idea of ice baths yeah. and, and uh, you just hear the words ice baths and you see pictures of, of, of players just you know going in really cold baths but 
does it work and, 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 and do you use it within RGC? Jury's out probably a little bit about if it works or not. There's, there's some contrasting um, thoughts on that. We use it at certain times. So say a Thursday before a game, we've had a session where there's been quite a bit of contact, so they may have got some bumps. We definitely use it because the ice is probably good at um, helping those muscles repair. If we're, say, in a pre-season or early in the week, we we are less likely to use an ice bath because we do want them to be sore, we want them to be achy because it's part of a, an adaptation in their muscles and, and it helps a muscle get a bit stronger with that, with that soreness and that adaptation. So... We, we try our best to use it at the, the right times um, and whereas before we might be chucking them in every single session, we're, we're picking and choosing the right ones to do it for the, for the right reasons, hopefully. And on you on a match day, because you know, when you're as a supporter in the stands, you, you can watch everyone doing their thing, whether it's on the pitch or, or, or on the touchline, but do you actually watch the game or what are you actually watching is it just looking at players or, or, or you know during the 80 minutes where, where, where's your focus at that's difficult and I think as you develop as as a physio or as, a, as somebody on the pitch side you, you you get better at it what we try and do uh, is we watch the kind of the play behind the live play um, so we don't watch the ball because normally it's, it's watching the people getting up after the last ruck to make sure they're okay or, or watching in the backfield to check if anybody's been, you know, stayed down after, after a contact. Um, it's hard not to get carried away and watch the game, especially if we're, we're close to scoring or it's an important game, but trying to watch about a play behind is, is what we go for. And in the podcast, we always ask one end question, which is always the difficult question. Uh, the question that I'm going to ask you is... What's your favourite biscuit? Ooh, it's a tough one, this is. I'd have to go for a custard cream, probably. Quite traditional. Yeah. Any particular reason why? No, no particular reason. I think it goes well with tea. Good answer. Thank you. Thank you very much for your time. Cheers, thank you. Well, that's the end of our first RGC podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Hopefully, we've entertained and informed... But to be fair, if we've done one out of the two, I'll be happy with that. Of course, you can find out all the latest news from RGC on our new website, on Facebook, on Twitter, and on Instagram as well. Until next time, thank you. This is RGC. RGC.